Okay, good morning, ladies. And happy Hanukkah, Freilich and Hanukkah, on the final day of Hanukkah. Our learning this morning will be the Nishmas Chaim Baruch Mordechai Ben Yechezkel Tzvi, and his uh, Yeratzeit is Neshama should have an Aliyah. Amen. Okay, we are back in the Siva Shalom, Yisodei Torah, Slanim Rebbe on Dveikos. We've spent a lot of time on trying to define exactly what this term, what it means to cling to Hashem, to cleave to Hashem. Again, Amuna is knowing about God in the abstract, that there is a creator of the universe. Bitachon is seeing Hashem in our daily lives. And Dveikos is clinging to Hashem, to realize that we have to stick with Him, even in trying times and difficult situations, even when we are in a dark tunnel, to see the light at the end of that tunnel. Hanukkah is especially a time that is auspicious for us to be working on these character traits. When we gaze at the lights, I know that we've now lit the final candles last night, but we still are basking in the light of these candles on this eighth day. When we light the candles and we look at the light, we should see within the light redemption. See within the light, the light at the end of the tunnel. See within the light, the clarity to know that whatever we're going through is not random or chance, but it's for a purpose, it's for a reason, and it's orchestrated from above. We're on the bottom right page, Samach Vav. Any more copies? Anyone else need copies? There's some copies over here. In Kiyapi Amavuar, says the Slanam Rebbe, based on this, If you understand that the essence of life is to connect, to cling, to cleave to Hashem, that we are to interpret and see the world through a pair of glasses called dvekas, that whatever's happening in our lives, from the minor, seemingly insignificant, annoying struggles, to the bigger picture things, to realize that everything is from Hashem. Everything is for a reason. And to wear those glasses, then, then if one lives life with that attitude, you realize the Taryag mitzvahs, the 613 mitzvahs, really represent 613 opportunities to cling to Hashem. So total paradigm shift in an attitude towards mitzvahs. Instead of mitzvahs being burdens, instead of mitzvahs being constraints that are restrictive, that are eliminating our ability to do what we want, I really want to go to the beach on Saturday. I really want to be able to eat in every restaurant in the world. I really want to be able to share that juicy gossip. I really want to be able to A, B, and C. Greta, there's chairs here if you need. I really want to be able to do all these things. But the Torah comes along and there's 613 mitzvahs and it's so restrictive and it restrains me and it constrains me and it's so burdensome. So that's a terrible attitude, obviously. It's an attitude that many people have. And tragically, it's an attitude that filters down to children and grandchildren. And it's no wonder that many want to walk or run away because we grew up in a time where even if mitzvahs felt like a burden, challenging, restrictive, okay, but that's what you do. And there was an inhibition that kept you within the system. Who had the courage to run away? The consequence of running away was so great socially and family-wise that people stayed with it even if they felt it. Today, a child feels it's a burden, it's difficult, it's annoying. So they say, well, why would I do anything that's not? We live in a world that constantly is broadcasting the message. If you don't enjoy it, don't do it. Do what works for you. Do what feels good. Do what's pleasurable. If you don't enjoy it, why would you do it? That's the message of today's world. In relationships, in life, at work. It has to feel good. Do what makes you feel good, what makes you happy. So there's an incredible risk today in children sensing that it's a burden. We have to teach the joy, the happiness. First of all, we have to try to teach children that not everything in life needs to make you feel good. It doesn't make you feel good to brush your teeth or to clean your room or to do the laundry. It doesn't make you feel good always to wake up and go to work. 
They're things you do because you have to do them. Mm-hmm. They're things you do because they're right to do. And that not everything you do has to conform to what you want to do. We all do things every day in life we don't want to be doing, but you have to do because it's part of life. And that whole message, I think, is a core message that has to be communicated to children. That's number one. But number two is to show that Torah and Mitzvahs are something you want to be doing. And that's what the Salonim Rebbe is saying here. 613, not burdens, 613 incredible opportunities. 613 invitations to, cl- to cling to Hashem, to be close to Him, to feel His presence in your life, to feel joy. The 613 mitzvahs are 613 opportunities. Every time you do a mitzvah, you have come closer to God. You're clinging to Him. Now here's the thing. Coming closer to God or clinging to Him is synonymous with joy and happiness and feeling good. We're learning Mesila Sasham now on Wednesday mornings in the Cup of Joe. So literally two minutes ago, I just came from there, and that's the very opening in the very first chapter. The Ramchal of Moshe Chaim Lutzato says, you know what the essence of life is? It's very counterintuitive. I don't know. I was raised, not by my parents, but Judaism raised me with this notion that life is about sacrifice and service and giving for Hashem. But that's not what the Ramchal says. You know what the Ramchal says? The goal and purpose of life is lehis aneg al Hashem. What's the root of the word lehis aneg? Ayin nun gimel is oneg. What's oneg? Joy, pleasure, happiness. Oneg Shabbos. Come to my oneg. Oneg is eating sugary candy, food, and chillin' late at night, and that's oneg. Lehis aneg al Hashem. So, what's the purpose of life, says the Ramchal, in Padua, Italy, five centuries ago? The purpose of life is to get high on God. Don't get high on pot. Don't get high on alcohol. Don't get high on shopping. Don't get high on gambling. Don't get high on going to work. Get high on God. And how do you get high on God? So, Rabbi Ari Kaplan explains very powerfully that the greatest joy that a human being is designed to feel, the way we were programmed is when we give nachas to someone whose approval means something to us, it feels incredibly good. It doesn't matter what age you are, the nachas you give your parent is unbelievable. By the way, that's in this week's parasha. I didn't mention this at the Cup of Joe. I saved it for you women. But the, uh, also Cup of Joe was like eight minutes long. But the, the, this week's parsha. We have the, the reunion of Yosef and his father Yaakov. And if you look in the parsha, I don't have the language in front of me because I wasn't planning on speaking on this, but Yosef can't wait to be seen by his father. The language of the Pasuk is, he wants to be seen by his father. Wouldn't you think he would want to see his father? What does it mean he wants to be seen from his father? When he reveals himself to his, fa- to his brothers, what does he say? We spoke about this yesterday in the parsha class. This, what, what Chazal considered the harshest rebuke in the world. What Chazal described is what we will face when we come to the world of truth. All he says is, Ani Yosef Yesterday we talked about three or four explanations. How is that crazy rebuke? I'm Yosef, is my father still alive? That sounds like the most gentle sentence I ever heard in my life. How is that the harshest, most painful, traumatic rebuke the brothers had to ever feel? You can listen online to the class. But notice, what does Yosef say? He doesn't say, is your father still alive? And he doesn't say, is... Our father. What does he say? Haudavi is my father. Why? Because he's desperate to know that his father loves him. That his father has been waiting for him, longing for him, yearning for him, looking for him. He wants to know, the father who I left 22 years ago, and the book is open to the page we left off on. He sends him the wagons, which is a hint to the Egla Arufa. The book is literally still open to the page we were learning when we went to Avasubanim together, Yaakov and Yosef. 
He says, is my father, Ravi? And so later, he doesn't want to desperately see his father. What does he want? What is he desperate for? To be seen by his father. Because says Rabbi Arya Kaplan, not about this, but in general, the human being, the human psyche, we are programmed that among the greatest feelings of joy is to give nachas. I think we experience it even as an adult. When you give nachas to your parent, it feels great. When you give nachas to your boss at work, study after study shows that among the motivators for employees is not a bonus or more money. Of course it is. But a, a, not a major or, or great bonus. I'm talking about something small. You know, what would do more for the employee if you gave a $25 gift card to Starbucks or you gave a compliment? Study after study after study shows a compliment. Having the approval of, the compliment, the admiration, some affection from the person who is a position of authority over you is the greatest joy you can feel. So whether it's giving nachas to your spouse you admire, whether it's giving nachas to your parent, whether it's giving nachas to your boss, whether it's giving nachas to your rebbe. So who is the source of everything, of all that exists? The Ribbon Shalom. So therefore there's no greater joy than giving nachas to him. And the Ramchal begins the book by talking about the goal of life is lehisanig al Hashem, to get high on God. And he ends the book with the words, literally the very end of the Mesil Sasharim, is he says that our mission is to give nachas ruach to Hashem. We don't use that terminology because we think God doesn't need nachas. He's not a human being. He doesn't have emotions. He doesn't get nachas. But the answer is, yeah, the same way we crave nachas from our children, and the same way we get the greatest joy by giving nachas to our parents, Kodesh Baruch Hu is our Father in Heaven. He created us. And all He wants from us is to give Him some nachas. When we make the right choices and the right decisions and we have the right behavior, and most of all, when we check in with Him. Right? Is there a greater nachas to a parent than... You know, you know this, everyone knows the terrible joke about the Jewish mother who the son calls and she says, I haven't eaten in five days and I'm starving and why haven't you eaten? I didn't want anything in my mouth lest you called and, yeah. and in the home, right? <laughs> terrible old Jewish joke. So, but it, you know, all parents want, right? When your child reaches out to you, your heart skips a beat. When you get a text or a FaceTime or a phone call from your children or your grandchildren, is there any greater joy? No, not when it's I need money or I need you to bail me out or I need you to get me out of trouble or I need you to give me a ride or I need you... When they call for no reason at all but just to fill you in on their day or to tell you how it's going, Alana, you'll get there. But when you get the call from Israel, oh, Hanukkah, I just want to meet experience at the Kotel, at the Shuk, at this. I want to tell you about this class I just went to. You're like, wow, your heart fills. It fills. Kodesh Baruch Hu wants his heart to fill too. And he gets the greatest nachas when we check in with him. So when we live with dvekas, when we cling to him, when whatever we go through, we go through and we say, what am I meant? Yesterday I was driving back from visiting somebody in hospice to make it in time for mincha, and I was rear-ended. So, okay, it's okay, everyone relax, I'm okay, it's okay. The bumper of the car is not, but I'm okay. So you're sitting there and you call the police and you go through and you say, this is so annoying, this is so ridiculous and I'm missing mincha and my schedule, I was supposed to go to this event and I, not to mention my head hurts and my neck hurts. And, and then you say, you know what? Tvekas. I'm, I'm, like I'm teaching this every Wednesday morning. I have to have stories to tell you and I have to be living it. So that's clearly why Hashem keeps you know, sending these things. So, so, so you sit there while you're waiting for the police and you say, okay, Hashem, this was meant to be. At first I started to get really annoyed at Hashem and then I said, maybe this was better than, maybe it was meant to be a horrible car accident. And this yeah, was a little, true. this was a little rear end, this was a little nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but other than that, you just say, okay, dvekas. Every opportunity, every moment, every challenge and every joy, every success, every breakthrough are all moments, they're windows that challenge us, are you going to call your father and tell him about it? Right? When someone loses a loved one, 
when I hear from, we have this Kaddish club, we once a month meet and learn with people who are in their year of mourning. A very pervasive feeling of people in their year of mourning is that something happens in their life and they reach for the phone because they want to tell their parent. And that's the biggest pain, the most profound pain, the horrible reminder of the loss is every time something happens where they have this urge, this, this innate temptation to reach for the phone to call and tell them, only they're not there. So we have this ability that whatever happens in our life, reach for the phone. So you just rear-ended, talk to Hashem. You got a speeding ticket, talk to Hashem. Something happened with your child in school, talk to Hashem. Something great happened with your child at school. They came home with something to hang on the refrigerator, talk to Hashem. Check in. Whatever's going on, confide in, lean on, get the support of your father. Give him a call, tell him what's going on. That's what creates the closeness. That's the life of Dvekas. So what the, what the Salaam Rebbe is saying is that life has all those invitations. We get invitations left and right from Hashem every day. It's an invitation called a car accident. It's an invitation called waking up in the morning is an invitation. Call me, tell me what's going on. Tell me what you're upset about. Tell me what you're protesting. Tell me what you're grateful for. And Dvekas is living a life where we tell him. But aside from life itself, because sometimes we get so caught up in life we forget... So he also threw out a 613 mitzvahs. So now this is the part where Hashem as our Father WhatsApps us 613 times a day and says, don't forget to do this for me. Can you do this for me? And can you do that for me? And can you do the other thing for me? And why is he saying that? Not because he's being an annoying parent who's giving you a list of things to do for him. Why is he saying it? What is he really saying when he says, don't forget these 613 things? What is he really saying? Don't forget. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. So 613 times a day, that's an exaggeration, or depending on the day, maybe an underestimate, but many times a day, Hashem sends a text, and He says, don't forget me. Davin Shachars, don't forget me. Light the candles, don't forget me. Cook for Shabbos, don't forget me. It's time for Mincha, don't forget me. Chesed, Staka, when you're getting dressed, Sneas, whatever area of life. Hi, don't forget me. Not don't forget me because I need it. Hashem is perfect. He doesn't need it. Don't forget me because your life will be so much better if you don't forget me. Because your life will be enriched if you're connected to me. So that's what the Salaam Rebbe is saying. We got through a whole whopping sentence here. That Taryag mitzvos are not 613 burdens, 613 obligations, 613 pains in the neck. It's 613 opportunities, 613 invitations, 613 calls from our Father who's saying, don't forget me, what's going on? How's your day? I'm checking in. What can I do for you? What do you need? What can I give you? We find with the Mitzvah Talmud Torah that it corresponds with all of Torah. So we have two things which our rabbis, in order to emphasize to us how valuable they are, they say that these two mitzvahs really as if correspond with the totality of Torah. And what are they? The study of Torah, Talmud Torah, and observing Shabbos, the keeping of Shabbos. What is unique or distinct about these two mitzvahs that Chazal emphasize about them, that they are as great as if you kept all the mitzvahs combined? Studying Torah and observing Shams. What is the common denominator of the two that makes them equal and opposite to observing all mitzvahs? Now to be clear, it doesn't mean therefore that if you keep Shabbos you can neglect the other mitzvahs. 
Nor does it mean that if you learn the Daf Yomi, you can neglect the other mitzvahs. All Chazal are trying to do is tell us that it's, they're so great that their reward, their value, is equal and opposite to observing all the mitzvahs. What do they have in common? Suggest the Rebbe, what they have in common is that the essence of both of them is they are vehicles and instruments to achieve tfekas. When you study Torah, you are reading God's diary. Can you connect to anyone? Is there anything more personal than reading their diary? Hashem says to the Jewish people, here's my diary. By the way, does He say it to all of humanity, the whole world? No. A non-Jew is forbidden from learning Torah. We're not allowed to teach Torah to the non-Jew. Torah is reserved for His children, for the Jew. Now, there's a distinction here between the written Torah and the oral Torah. Torah Shebechsav, the written Torah, that's for everyone. That's why it's in the drawer of every hotel room. Because it's for everyone. Everyone deserves access to it. It's translated into all these languages. And Judaism believes that our Torah is a guide for the world. Read the Bible. It's for all of us. It's a light for the world. An instruction manual for the world. But the Torah Shebaal Peh, the oral Torah, was in fact preserved orally and forbidden to be written down. Why? Because it's our secret code. It's our private book. It's not to be accessed by the world. So it was handed person to person, Rebbe to student. It was a community, a family, transmitted parent to child. Later, when Rebbe Danasi was nervous in the second century, living in Israel, the north of Israel, that it was being lost, it was being distorted, it needed to be written down, he made a very courageous decision, probably he was put in Cherem for it, he made a very courageous decision, better write it down, it's going to be lost, it's going to be distorted. But really, it was meant to be preserved and transmitted orally. Why? Because it's just for us. It's not for everyone. Because the Torah Shabbat Peh is Hashem's diary. It's His description for the world. It's our understanding of His description for the world. So when we study Torah, when you open that page of Gemara, when you're learning Nesiva Shalom, when you open the Chumash, when you're opening Tanakh, whatever you're doing, you're reading Hashem's diary. You're getting access to His essence. That's Tveikas. You can cling to Him. Do you ever feel closer than when you read someone's diary? Similarly, when you keep Shabbos, Shabbos is all about emuna and dveikas. I'm not going to work. I'm not doing things I need to do. I am simply at peace with nature and with the world. I'm accepting Hashem's dominion and providence over the world, and I'm at peace with Him. So the essence of these mitzvahs is dveikas. Talmud Torah, Da'amr Chazal, Kodesh Baruch Hu, of Yisrael, Kuluchad. So study of Torah, the Zohar tells us, that Hashem, His Torah, and the Jewish people are all one. Torah, Kedoshim, Meviyah, Dveikas, Bein Kodesh Baruch Yisrael. What is the glue that binds us to Hashem? The study of His Torah. That is the glue. That's what connects us. That's what gives us access when we read His diary. How after all, we're physical beings. We live in the physical world. We have physical temptations and desires. We have physical needs. How can we connect to Hashem who is the opposite of physical. He is the most purely spiritual that exists. So how do you connect? Oil and water don't mix. I was telling my kids the other night after lighting, one of the reasons we light with oil, or it's preferable with oil, is because oil and water don't mix. And which one always comes out on top? When you put the salad dressing in the fridge before you shake it up again to put it on the... Which one's on top? Oil is the Jewish people. How is oil produced? You step on the olives. You squish them. You squeeze out. Jewish people through our history have been persecuted and oppressed. We've been squeezed over and over. But you know what happens when you squeeze? You get fine oil. And the oil, when it mixes with the water, which comes out on top? We're squeezed throughout our history, but we come out on top. And you light that candle and you see the oil on top of the, on top of the water. So oil and water don't mix. The physical and the spiritual 
They're opposites. It's like oil and water. You could shake up that salad dressing, but how much are you going to shake up our lives? So how do you mix? This is a very chassidish idea. Salam Rebbe says, this is really the essence of Tanya. He says, when you study Torah, you learn how to transform your body from something that's only physical into the vehicle for the spiritual. So that your body that needs food in order to live, without Torah, you're eating as a glutton. Without Torah, you're eating, you know, as a, you're indulging in delicacies and you're eating as a, as a form of hedonism. But with Torah, your eating is transformed from simply indulging in the pleasure of the body to your eating becoming an act of spirituality. In Kiddush Alabamakam Suda, Don understands Kiddush Bamakam Suda means that we're Makadish ourselves. Where do we find holiness? Bamakam Suda. You learn a lot about someone by the way they eat. Are they shoveling it in? Are they a glutton? Do they eat excessively? Do they eat unhealthy? Do they rush to eat? Do they not express gratitude to the person who made the food? You know, it says, The makar, the source for benching, the biblical obligation to bench, the only bracha that's biblical, the biblical obligation to recite the blessing after you eat, it says, you ate, you were satisfied. You ate enough, it was good. Now it's time to say thank you to whom? So the Tosus Rib, I think it is, learns from that word S. It could have just said in the Pasuk, Why did it have the extra word S? Lerabos Balabayas. should say Balasabayas. Lerabos Balasabayas. That when you ate and you were satisfied and you said thank you, don't forget to thank the hostess. You learn a lot about somebody by the way they ate. Did they say thank you before they even ate? Certainly did they say thank you after they ate? Did they thank you, thank you to the person who went shopping and cooked and served and will clean? Do you thank the one who produced the food? Hashem above. So eating can either be an act of hedonism, eating can be a physical act, or with the study of Torah and understanding who we are and that our, our, our body is a vehicle for the soul, the very act of eating when you make a bracha beforehand and a bracha afterwards, and you make sure what you're eating is kosher, and you eat in a healthy way, you've transformed and you use the act of eating to host guests, you've transformed the act of eating. So Torah is the vehicle that binds the body and the soul, that gives we humans, who are animal-like, access to Hashem, who's purely spiritual. HaTorah HaKadoshah Mizacheches Lorakes Ha... Neshama, ruach, v'nefesh, ha-nefesh, ruach, v'neshama. Elagama, guf ha-basar, v'atzamas, mishapchem l'ruchniyim. When you do something spiritual with your body, you haven't just accessed your spirit, you've transformed your very body. As it says, divrei Torah, nivla'im b'damav. When you study Torah, it is absorbed into your bloodstream. When you eat food, it's absorbed into your bloodstream. Is it not? You take a blood test. Does it not tell you what you've been eating? What's your cholesterol? What's your A1C? What's your glucose level? What's your... You go to the doctor and he takes a blood test and he'll tell you everything about the way you ate for the last three months. He knows whether you've been a good girl or a bad girl. He knows how you've been... How many latkes and sufganiyot did you uh, dive into? Your blood, your blood reveals what you've been eating. So Chazal tell us, that your blood also reveals whether you've been learning Torah. The blood test. Because it's, it's absorbed into our essence. We don't only transform the spirit, we transform the body. Because of Maharab Derchayim, Mishnah, Huaya Omer, Ain Bor Yurechet, Velo Am Haaretz Chasid, 
the Mishnah Perk Yavas, which says that a boor is not yirechet. Boor, literally, boor here is both in the Hebrew and the English. B-O-O-R. Ain't boor, which translates to a boor. You're a boor, you can't be a yirechet, you're not God-fearing. And in Am Ha'aretz, if you're an ignoramus, you can't be righteous. The Maharal writes, when a person lacks wisdom, they're called Am Ha'aretz. When you lack wisdom, you're called of the land, of the earth. Because the body which comes from the earth that houses wisdom cannot compare to the body which comes from the earth which lacks any wisdom. It's a beautiful insight. The Maharal explains. Why, if you're ignorant, are you called an Am Ha'aretz? It's a big insult in Judaism. You say to somebody, you're an Am Ha'aretz. That's Amaratzis. An Am Ha'aretz. You're, you're part of Ha'aretz. What do you mean? You're from the land. It means that if you don't have wisdom in your head, your body's just a physical body. You're just part of the land. But if you have wisdom, if you study Torah, you've elevated your, your body to not just be a product of the earth, but now you're connected to the heavens. Where do those words come from? Anyone recognize them? They come from Nishmas. On Shabbos morning we say Nishmas. When we express our gratitude to Hashem, Nishmas Kochai, the soul of every living thing God calls out to you. The whole world, the whole nature, the world is singing your praise Hashem. And what do we say within that? Kol atzmosav tomarna. All of my bones call out, Hashem b'chamoch, God who is like you. Till my whole body and all of my energy, it's all, my essence is to cling to you. Through the Torah, we can merit to connect to God. As it says in the Sifri, on the Pasuk, we say in the Shema every day that our mission is to love Hashem with all of our heart. How do you express love to Hashem? The Rambam is very clear about this. Says the Rambam, When a person sits and studies Torah, how do you connect to God by getting to know Him? Can you connect to someone you barely know? It's very hard to connect to somebody you haven't met and you don't know, even if you want to know them. My niece is getting married in a few weeks. Please, God, we're all going. We're very excited. I never met her guru, her chassan. So I love him. I love him because my niece loves him. I love him because he's going to be a member of the family. It's more like I can't wait to love him. But I don't know him. So you could want to and claim to love and love by extension because people you love, love. But if you don't know, how could you really love? So I'm excited to spend time with him. Whatever time we'll get with him. He's an officer in the Israeli army, one of the modern Maccabees, so he doesn't have a lot of time. I think he has barely has time to get married and then go back, back into the army. So, so Lahavdil, the same is true with Hashem. You could claim to want to love Hashem. You could love Hashem because people you know who know Hashem love Him and you love them, so you want to love Hashem. But how could you love Him if you don't know Him? And how can you know Him if you don't study His Torah? How could you know what His vision is for us? What are His values? What are his priorities? Why did he design the world? What, what is, who is Hashem? How could you love Hashem if you don't know Him? So, how do you love God? To love God is to know God. To love Him is to know Him, or to know Him is to love Him. 
So again, the, the Salam Rebbe is trying to drive into us. The essence of life is to cling to Hashem. The greatest pleasure available to us is to get high on God, to feel Him in life. I'm telling you, again, each one of us could go around the room and tell stories, but you're not the ones who get to speak I am. So I'll tell you, I tell you, <laughs> so I end up telling you, I end up telling you my stories. So not because they're unusual, not because you don't have them, not because I'm different, but I'm saying, take yesterday, without Hashem, I'd be freaking out, I'm late, it's miserable, I have my car, I gotta go to the shop now, it's so annoying, what a pain. Right, right, by the way, it had to happen right at the root that the entire Hello Day School and Yeshiva High School drive home when they let out. So, that was me. So about 50 people, you okay, everything okay? People texting me, my kid wanted to know if the rabbi got a ticket. I was great. So, it was lovely. It was a, right. One person I saw had his camera, I was taking a picture of him. It was lovely. So, Abimaskus was with me, he was in the passenger seat. Yamaka went flying into the back seat. Yeah, anyway, so, so um, I haven't heard from him yet today. I hope he's okay. The, the bottom line is, so it was annoying. It's annoying. It's annoying. I got to get the bumper fixed and you have a headache and will the person pay for it? And the whole shul thinks that I speed. Okay, it's annoying. Fine. So without Vekas, without Vekas, so I'd be really annoyed. I'd be bent out of shape. And I, I promise you I'm not exaggerating. And again, not because I'm special. I'm just giving you an example based on what we're learning. I haven't thought about it. It, it, hasn't, it hasn't shook me at all. Okay, got to bring the car into the shop. I'll get paid for. It is what it is. It was for a reason. The things don't happen randomly. I mean, the funny part is that Rabbi Moskos and I were visiting somebody who's in hospice. And when we were coming back, they're in Sinai. So you could come back, you know, take the Boca Rio or take Lions with the traffic. He said, make a ride on Lions. You're going to get traffic. I said, no, nah, no, nah, I like going Boca Rio. So it really was meant to be. Either I caused it or forced it, or it was meant to be. Right? Could have gone a different way. I should have listened. Lesson, the moral of the story, listen to Rabbi Moskow. So my point is that living life of Dvekas is not because Hashem somehow is better off because we're clinging to Him. We're better off. We have the tools to be able to get through whatever annoying thing happens in the day when you understand and interpret that it happened for a reason. It wasn't random. Okay, there's a reason. It happened for a reason. I'll take care of it. No big deal. It's an invitation. And by the way, I reached out and called Hashem. I was waiting for the cops. I was sitting there. I had a conversation. We had a conversation. I had something to share with him. We had a conversation. I reached out. Why did this happen? What's going on? Please make this simple and easy and fixable and let it go away. And whatever reason, let it have been the reason, let it have been the kapara, who knows, whatever. So things happen because they're invitations to us to have a conversation. Call out Hashem. That's what dveikus means. Living a life of dveikus. And I'll end by telling you on this Ete of Hanukkah, this Zeus Hanukkah, I sent it out as my Amuna message today. The Yerach HaShochan, Rabbi Chil Mechel Epstein, says that during the time of the story of Hanukkah, we were not allowed to observe Sukkot. Right? One of the things that the Syrian Greeks prevented us from doing was keep Jewish holidays. So we couldn't keep Sukkot that year. Sukkot is seven days. And right after Sukkot comes another holiday, which is a regal b'fnei atzmo, it's a holiday on its own called Shmini Atzeres. So the Archa Shulchan says, when we were victorious, when we triumphed, and we were able to establish Hanukkah, they davka established it for how long? Eight days to make up and compensate for the eight days we weren't able to keep of Sukkot. If that's true, the eighth day of Hanukkah today, Zos Hanukkah, corresponds with Shmini Atzeres. What is the theme of Shmini Atzeres? Hashem says, Kasha alai predaschem. Don't go. Don't leave. We've had seven incredible days together. 
It's been intense. It's been wonderful. Don't leave. Don't go. Stay one more day. Stay one more day. Right? What grandparents tell children about their grandchildren. It's been amazing. Just stay one... Or sometimes leave one, <laughs> leave one day early. You know, it depends on the experience. You know, do, you, do you really have to stay one more day? Hopefully it's, hopefully it's please stay one more day. So Hashem says, don't go. Stay one more day. And that's the theme and essence of Zos Hanukkah, the eighth day of Hanukkah also. Stay one more day. It's been filled with such light. We've dispelled the darkness. There's such warmth. It's so amazing. We have such clarity. We see what's right in front of us, what's right under our nose. Don't go. Stay one more day. Just stay one more day. The last day of Hanukkah, Zos Hanukkah, is our holding on for one more day to take the light. Last night was the brightest night, all eight candles. And to take the brightness, all that light, to be able to go into the winter. We're going deeper into the winter, which, again, literally or figuratively, deeper into the winter. But it's the winter of darkness. The days are short. There's very little light. So we need to dispel that darkness, the little light. We bring greater light by dragging the Hanukkah candles, the menorah, that light with us as we go forward. Rabbi Merzov, the Hasidish Rebbe of Boca Raton. So Rabbi Merzov, I heard say the other day, a beautiful idea. He said that the name Yisrael, the word for a Jew, Yisrael, has the letters Aleph Shin inside them has the letters Eish. Because inside a Jew, you have to have a fire burning. To be a Jew is to be on fire. It's to have a fire in your belly. Don't live life half asleep. Don't be asleep even while you're awake. Don't be dead even while you're alive. Be passionate. Be enthusiastic. Have energy. Have a fire raging in your belly. And here's the nice idea. I'm not a Gematria guy. But that said. So Yisrael in Gematria is 541. If you subtract the Eish, if you remove the fire, which is 301, you're left with 240. What's 240? Amalek. Why? Why? What did Amalek try to do to us? We were walking away from Harsinai. We walked away from Harsinai. We were on fire. The greatest revelation. We felt Hashem's presence in our life. We were determined to live life the way He wanted to give Him nachas. And what happened? What did Amalek come and do? They splashed cold water. Asher karcha baderach. Karcha is kor, cold water. They poured cold water on our fire. They said, what are you so on fire about? Who says there's a God? There's cynicism, there's sarcasm. They introduced chance and randomness. They said, who says there's a God? They splashed cold water and they put out our fire. If you remove the ish from Yisrael, you get a malik in Gematria. If you take the fire out of your belly, you're not a Jew, then you're living the life of a malik. To be a Jew is to be on fire, to be passionate, to be alive. So that's our mission. On this Zos Hanukkah, on this eighth day, to take the light, to take the candles. Don't, when you put away the menorah this afternoon or tonight, I was going to put it away this morning. I said, you know what? It's still Hanukkah. Wait till tomorrow. Wait till tomorrow. Don't, don't clean up from Hanukkah so fast. We don't clean up. We drag Hanukkah with us. Believe me, in three months, your cholesterol test will show the Hanukkah impact is still, is still, uh, is still, is still with you. So, Mitzvah Hashem, we have that fire in our belly. We live the life of Dveikas. We answer the many invitations a day from Hashem. Answer the FaceTime call. Talk to him. Tell him what's going on in life. And Mitzvah Hashem will feel the pleasure of a life of Dveikas. Have a great day.